0: Welcome back to The Trenches Fantasy Football Show. This is your host, Yoni Proust, alongside Aaron Kirkpatrick and Sammy Schulman. This podcast is a, obviously, as I just said, fantasy football. Where we are going to be talking about everything that has to do with football, fantasy, and everything in between. The Trenches, just a little name that I came up with this past week as I was thinking of fantasy football. And just kind of like, as Sammy said before the show, the Trenches are where games are won and lost. Had to sort give a good source for that. I know he'll appreciate that. That is your 2021 league champion right there, Aaron Kirkpatrick. Not yet a champion, but he has won and lost a bunch of games. And I, Yoni Pruce, have mostly lost a bunch of games. But we're going to turn that around that this year. This podcast uh, come to, came together after a couple failed podcasts. I will say that not failed, but um, haven't we haven't succeeded yet is what I will say. And this podcast is based on a fantasy football league called the Keep-A-League, which was created out of the hardship, friendship, and fortitude of the CESGDS library lunch table, where friendships were made, lover triangles were created, and so on and so forth. And today, we're just going to be talking about fantasy football. We are, This is our fourth, league, fourth year in the league, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe this is our fourth year as a league. Players have been across the country... And uh, across the country and the world, such as Israel, one of our players, Jesse, is actually in Israel right now. And this is a international fantasy football league. Not many leagues and podcasts can say that. So before I get into the podcast and allow Aaron and Sammy to introduce themselves personally, we I just want to say we're going to be doing a bunch of different segments on the show that we are going to explain later on, such as awards, win totals, looking at this week and last week, and so on and so forth. So I'm gonna give it to Aaron now to introduce himself.
1: Hello, guys. It's your non-league winner, loser in the semifinals, loser in the first round, and loser in the finals. I've done it all, and I've got to be say I'm proud of myself. Uh, Yoni, thank you for the great introduction. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. You know, we talk about football all the time together on just calling each other. So the chance to actually just put it into a podcast where we can have some fun with it as you talked about with some awards and other stuff i think it will be a great time sammy the 2021 league champion why don't you introduce yourself
2: thanks aaron uh that is what they call me i'm sammy shulman i'm the 2021 league champion i had the honor the privilege and unfortunately the duty of defeating aaron in his semi-final defeat but he got me two years ago and uh i'm honestly not hoping for round three if i'm being honest but I will say in the last two years, I've now beaten both my fellow podcast hosts in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens this year. But yeah, I mean, like Aaron said, even if we weren't on a podcast, we'd be talking fantasy football. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing it in a more formal setting, doing a lot of the different fun things. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm going to butcher this quote. But uh, as a three-time league winner, Pete Eckhart, once said in the league, there are many things that a man can do at this time and when it comes to fantasy football. This is better than those things.
0: Thank, thank you. Well so put, much. Sammy. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for that, Sammy. Um, love quoting the league right off the bat. It's a fantastic show. For those of you who haven't watched it, you should. It's hilarious. We quote that and talk about that show a bunch. So, the first, I'm just going to jump right into it. The first section or segment that we are going to do today is basically, it's very simple. It's Win Total is talking about our league. Um, I'm just going to list the player teams that we have in our league, the names. Um, so, we have obviously us three, Mayor and Sammy. We have Josh Siegel, wonderful person, huge baseball fan. We got Darone. We got Matthew, Fish, Dylan, Jesse, and Jeremy. I think I mentioned them all. If I didn't, let me know. But I think I I got all 10. So today, I'm going to pass it to Sammy to start off with the win totals and just kind of, I mean, it's a simple idea. So you can just start it off right off the bat and we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it should just be a fun way to kind of introduce some of the teams in our league, talk about what we think, I guess, are their outlooks for this year. Um, so, Yoni, do you want me to go with all three of mine, or should, I, should we go one at a time?
0: Well, let's start off going one at a time, and then I guess we can just go. All right,
2: so first on my list is none other than Yoni Cruz, as a matter of fact. A uh, little context of Yoni's team, and, and Yoni, when I'm done, you can uh, – or you can even interrupt me and tell me what I'm wrong about, but, you know, last year – uh, he, I'd say there was two main things you need to know about his team. One, he traded for Saquon Barkley, and in doing so, he uh, gave up his first round pick. And two, he went three and eleven, despite being one of the. I'd say like a middle tier team. I'm not going to over exaggerate and say you're the best team by any means, but you know we have some advanced stats that I'm sure we'll talk about. It, and and they pinned him more around like six or seven wins, but he fell to only three wins. But now Saquon's back, and that's what your team's built on his running backs. Is he Saquon? He's DeAndre Swift. Travis Etienne and James Robinson, so he's got the Jags combo. And then, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make the Lamar's a running back joke, but he also got a fantastic running quarterback uh, in Lamar Jackson. And so he just has a ton of fast, you know, guys like that. He has Marquise Brown, DJ Moore. Currently, as it stands, he's one and one. Uh, He just lost his first game of the year in week two to Josh. And Yoni, before the podcast, we were talking about doing his over-unders, and we're like, okay, let's make it more fun by not doing uh, you know, a whole number, and so I personally think I'm gonna propose this by saying that I think you're gonna be around seven wins, but I'm gonna set your over/under at six and a half wins. Not because I'm disrespecting you, this isn't bulletin board material for Team Yoni, but looking through your schedule, you you still have a lot of tough games to go. Um, you still play, you still play Aaron, you still play me twice, you play Matthew twice. Uh, I, I doubt you'll go 0-5 in those games, but you're also not going to go undefeated in the rest. So I think you'll go about 500 the rest of the way. Uh, I'm setting your total on uh, September 21st, 2022, between week two and week three with a record of one and one at six and a half wins. How do you feel about that, Yoni?
0: Well, I think you kind of explained to my team very very well hit the what's the saying hit the pin on the tail of the donkey or whatever the i don't know we know that game that you used to play where it's like you put the thing on the tail i don't know how to explain it aaron shaking his head. He's like smiling for some reason but you know what i'm talking about um you said it very well i think six and a half wins number one i'm putting it up on my bulletin it's already there it's in my my bulletin in my brain number number two i'm gonna probably make that uh the germs michael jordan combination and just put my face over it Number three, I think that's fair. I mean, as you said, like I have a couple of tough matchups, but honestly, the games are the, the games. I'm gonna win some games because of my team, and I like I don't I don't care who I'm playing. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't care if I'm playing this schmuck Aaron. I don't care if I'm playing this 2021 20, fake Le mickey champion, <laughs> Sammy shulman I don't care if I'm playing Travis Kelsey, Dalvin Cook, Jefferson. I'm taking all of those games, but I I mean. I'd personally take the over on that one, but that's just me. Did you? Yeah,
2: I see what you're saying, Yoni, because uh, I do think that the way I'm looking at your team, and I could be wrong, and this is just going to be more bulletin board material, is that your team is right in that spot where, you know, to put it in football terms, you'll beat the bad teams, but you might not beat the great teams. But I could totally see your team taking that step up to, to beating the great teams, even somewhat consistently, and that could be a big difference. I respect you taking over. Like I said, I would take the slight over myself, but, you know, we wanted to do it at half a number. Uh, Aaron, do you agree, disagree with six and a half? Do you agree with the over there?
1: I agree with the over. I think I might have personally said that seven and a half myself as like basically whether or not you think Yoni is a 500 team or a sub 500 team. But I think Yoni, and this, as it's our first episode, we'll be giving context into each person's teams as we talk about these win totals, the awards, and some of our other segments. I think you are placed in a really hard situation you're dealing with it right now you and I've been texting a lot about it. You had Travis Etienne as one of your keepers and um you now have James Robinson. James Robinson's obviously been outperforming Travis Etienne but part of it is I'm almost certain James Robinson on this season already has what is it? 3 touchdowns through 2 games. It's one of those things where he's looking great and I think You have a really solid team. I think it's one of those things that you're going to have to look for. And I'm also going to take the over. I'm putting that out there. Is finding the value of like figuring out what can you flip James Robinson for? Or if Marquise Brown, who you also have looks good maybe before week six, selling him high if you're worried about DeAndre Hopkins. So I think it's going to be an interesting thing for your team in general. You recently made a move, and I hope I'm not stepping on one's toes for some of our later segments, but you flipped Claypool for Chris Olave, which I thought was a great deal. Uh, you had been talking about the idea that you were gonna be dropping claypool anyways, so to then get a young guy who is explosive, you know, he's with Jameis, who has such a great arm talent, they're gonna be throwing the ball deep. I love that. Worst things worse, he's a bench stash who never really touches your lineup, and that's fine. And best things best, you picked up one of the more talented rookie wide receivers in our league. And I just think it's a great move. So I'm going to be taking the over. And along with that, I'm going to just quickly segment in to my next over under, if you guys are cool with that. So I was given four out of the 10, you know, the most of everyone. And I'm going to start off with our most recent least points scored, Dylan Platt. Uh, A little fun thing. We... Every year we do a conclave in that this past year, Jesse, one of our league members, proposed whoever scores the least points in one week has to do a 30-second apology video. Dylan went above and beyond with, like what was it, three and a half minutes, if I'm not mistaken, for his apology video. He did great. He comes in to week three at 0-2. And so my line that I've set for Dylan is seven and a half and here's my reasoning it's a sammy's making a face a little high here's my thought process dylan has christian mccaffrey alan kamara terry mclaurin george kittle christian kirk who's looking great if the bears can figure it out he's got darnell mooney on the bench he's got lazard and once sean mcveigh decides who's his running back he's got daryl henderson and cam Akers, whichever one figures it out i think dylan though it's going to come down to where or not alvin kamara actually lives up to the alvin kamara we thought he was i obviously traded away alvin kamara this offseason dylan because i didn't believe in alvin kamara but you at the same time you can't argue with the name talent so at seven and a
0: half what are you guys thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna start it off real quick i think that's unbelievably high Sa- sammy and i made the same exact face and i'm a little offended that you called out sammy making the face and not me whatever it's fine it's in the past but that's like seven and a half is okay. He's 0-2 right now. He's it's not looking bright for him. I mean, he has this tough schedule ahead. Let's I'm gonna look at his team real quick. You say so he has McCaffrey. McCaffrey hasn't been the same as he always is. McCaffrey when he's being himself is like a 23 point scorer per game. Right now, McCaffrey had 13 and then 16. So I mean, it's still good production out of a running back, but it's not the same old McCaffrey that we're used to seeing. Kamara, he is what he is. He hasn't been great so far. He didn't didn't play last week, which I believe is correct. All right, he didn't play last week. McLaurin, I honestly great NFL player. I have never been super high on him fantasy wise. Which, so I mean that's that's just that. Traylon Burks, I was actually texting Dylan about this. He loves Traylon Burks. He he said he has AJ Brown ceiling. So whether you want to accept that or deny that. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but he believes in his youngs- youngsters and he's playing them. Aaron, you, you seem to have something to say about that. No,
1: it's just funny. It's like the Traylon Burks, I think it's solely coming from the fact that they traded away A.J. Brown for to get that first-round draft pick where they selected the Traylon Burks. I think if you watch the first half, maybe even not the whole first half, but the first quarter, Traylon Burks was looking good. They were getting him into really good situations. Like I feel like... They were scheming well offensively for him. There isn't much competition. Kyle Phillips, who everyone had a little bit of interest in during preseason because he had a couple good highlights and then he had nine targets last week. Um he fumbled that punt return, got taken off the punt, like stopped being the returner. I think he's pretty much done for. It. So it's if you think that they're gonna be passing enough for him to be a valuable receiver. And if he's going to be at Robert Woods for that top target gather, I don't think it's inconceivable, but I also don't think this offense is good enough to support an AJ Brown esque receiver.
0: hundred percent agree with that. I also appreciate that you use the word inconceivable, but don't appreciate that you didn't reference the princess bride. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sammy, what do you think about this line? I, you were making the same face. What do you think?
2: Here's my problem with this line. It's like, it, we're so disconnected right now because I set Yoni's line at six and a half and then Aaron said Dylan's line at seven and a half. And it paints the picture, you know, first of all, we're not professional odds makers. So you got to keep that in mind. But it paints this picture that like Dylan's in a much better spot than Yoni. And like, that's just not the case pretty much no matter how you look at it. And like, I actually am higher on Dylan's team than the next guy. And had you set this line at, at five and a half, I'd for sure go over and six and a half, I would have debated the over, but I agree with like a lot of what Yoni was saying. I mean, I think that his ceiling could be as high as anyone's, but it it hasn't come to fruition for him. And I mentioned that, you know, we've kind of done some advanced stats in our league and and I've been a big, I guess, proprietor of that. And last year, um, Dylan's team was by far the worst team when it came to living up to their expectations of how many points they're going to score, right? He was the only team last year who on the year ESPN, and we switched from ESPN to sleeper, by the way, but last year we were on ESPN, ESPN projected him from week to week basis to get a hundred total more points than he ended up getting. And now on the sleeper, that's continued. The first two weeks he's gone well under his projections. And so I don't know exactly what that is. And if that's something that maybe is due regression, but there does seem to be something with our league where regression doesn't apply and trends that have been happening for years now, just kind of stay. It's really absurd as a data analytics major. It really makes me question things, but I think that, um, could he get to seven? Yes. Is eight his absolute ceiling? Sure, but I'm I'm gonna put him more in the six or seven range, and so at seven and a half, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under, Aaron.
1: Yeah, so seven and a half. My my kind of logic was, and I didn't think about it well enough. Was there's only twelve games left, but I thought he's about a five hundred team. So like I personally was leaning the, I was like leaning the under when I was setting it as well. Um you do raise a good point that just trends in our league don't <laughs> like go to the mean Josh getting an insane number of touchdowns no one scoring points against me like there's just like uh, this year I've only scored 213 points but I've only had 200 points scored against me and the only person who has less is Jeremy at 186 and then the next closest is Yoni at 212, but then most people are in like the 230 or higher range. Like it's one of those trends that tends to favor me. And hopefully I uh will start scoring enough points where it doesn't matter about my points against, but uh <laughs> we'll see how that one goes. But yeah, I I guess six and a half might have been a better line because I do think Yoni's team is better than Dylan's. But again, we did this blindly. And so we all have different perceptions, I think, that will show within the lines.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, to be honest, Aaron, would it be fair to say that for both of us, had we been predicting records instead of setting overrunners, we both would have said seven?
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah, so that's really more. And like you decided to give the benefit of the doubt. I decided not to, but it's good. It's good bulletin board material for Yoni. Uh, Speaking of Yoni, why don't you finish us off and then maybe give us one of your uh, over-under. So
0: the thing that I was about to say, it was talking about what both of you guys have talked about so far and that our fantasy football league, things don't, like trends don't come back to like regression or back to mean or whatever it is. Um, And I was just going to say a fun name for that would be like death taxes and Aaron's team always winning, getting like wins below season average or whatever the saying is. Um, So that was just like a funny tidbit. I guess Aaron could put down the ball and sub as well. Um, all right, I'll start off with mine. This actually also has to do about Aaron. The first out of the three that I had did a little history into this. So, 2019, Aaron had eight wins. 2020, Aaron had a nice ten wins. Got to give it to him. Oh, thank you. And then in 2021, Aaron had nine wins. And this year, he's already started off the year two and zero, looking great for him. And I set the line at eight point seven five wins. I don't you know I mean? That's d- just not how it works. I, I I well, you you said it didn't have to be a full number, and I went full decimal and didn't do the whole point five. Okay. I I felt like it. I'm the host of this podcast, and you can't fuck with me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to be all dictator, but all right, I'll make it a nice clean eight and a half wins. So I'm gonna go with that, and I guess I'll just give like a small little dive into what Aaron's team looks like. And then you guys can talk about it. So right now he has Kirk Cousins. He had Trey Lance. Aaron and I were huge on Trey Lance in the offseason. Obviously, I wasn't going to go home, go in and on because I had Lamar, but he has the t- Trey Lance still has the talent to be a great fantasy quarterback. He's like a Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson type because he's a great runner. We haven't seen the throwing so much, but he's not on his team right now because he's hurt or he's on the IR. He's got Kirk, he's got Zeke, he's got David Montgomery, some solid running backs. Keenan Allen, who was, was out last week, but still a great fantasy receiver. One of my all-time fantasy receivers. Um, The Sun God, of course. I mean, he's been absolutely absurd. Amon Ra St. Brown, not equanimous. Amon Ra has been amazing. So that's like number three or number two receiver right now in all fantasy, I believe. Everyone's trying to trade for him. rest of this team, he's got a really porous Kyle Pitts right now. Arthur Smith not wanting to give him the ball not really caring about fantasy football. He's saying, this is the NFL, not fantasy football. I guess coaches don't actually care about my team. And then he's got A.J. Dillon and A.J. Brown, and then a solid bench. So I I set the line at eight and a half.
2: Sammy, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, like, funny because with Aaron, like how we were talking about how historical trends never kind of even out in our league. Like, it's also true, though, that we are a keeper league. And so on things like, you know – who wins how many games a year, it is possible that like, you're just a better team or worse team is And Aaron's done a nice job of keeping a solid foundation of, of really good keepers and keeping track of assets historically. And it's put him in a situation and a position to win, but it doesn't change the fact that on the flip side, he does get a lot of things going his way. A lot of the times, I mean, last year uh, we mentioned the conclave, which we have, you know, for our league where we kind of debrief from the year before to look forward with new rules to the next, and one other thing we added this past year was an award ceremony um, in which Aaron Kirkpatrick was elected the luckiest team in the league, um, and that was due for a number of reasons. But the point stands that he started off this year two and zero, despite scoring I think the eighth most amount of points or uh, something around that. Definitely not top, you know, six. Um, and we have six teams so make the playoffs out of our ten. So I am going to go with the over, which goes against everything I feel like should happen based on like, you know, how uh, normal things work, but I'm going to, I'm going to lean into our league. And I know that if I go under eight and a half and Aaron goes over, then it's going to be a whole thing. So I'm just, I'm getting ahead of it. I think he could get to nine wins if I'm being completely honest. Anyways, um, you know, he's in uh, a different division to both Yoni and myself. I think we have two of the better teams. I think Josh has a good team. I think in Aaron's division might be a little more, a little better overall, but definitely, I think a little bit less top heavy. Depending on how you feel about Jeremy and Matthew's teams, respectively, uh, he's off to a strong start in his division. Uh, I'm not going to bet against my good friend Aaron in this case.
1: I appreciate that. Um, in half, I like that line. That basically, if it goes over, means I'd go seven and what? Seven and five in the remaining games in the regular season, which I think is pretty attainable sammy you talk about the divisions and uh this is obviously our first podcast so we're talking about a lot of introductory stuff we also draft the divisions each year the top two performers from each division in the past year draft the, their divisions this year is you and matt um and recent today or within the past 24 hours a decent number have of trades have been made or i guess it was 48 hours and for me it was honestly quite beneficial um because i felt like a mix of talent not only left my division, but it also kind of got flattened out, if that makes sense. And I'll, I'll explain the trades and you'll he- understand what I'm saying. So there was a few trades. One was Jesse traded away. What was it? He took James Conner. Um, who was it? James Conner, Amari. Uh, ooh, my bad. I'm right now out. It was James Conner. And I want to say, to it, and he sent that to Ari for Devonta Smith, Jalen Warren, and a second round draft pick. And then he immediately turned that around and sent Matthew, Devonta Smith, Jalen Warren, and Amari Cooper for Melvin Gordon, Gabe Davis, and a six round pick. Um, and I felt like that trade kind of evened out talent, made everyone a little bit more solid, but I feel I felt like it lowered other team ceilings in my division. Um, i like my two and zero start, my running backs, I'm a little bit worried about with Zeke and Dave Montgomery, but I've got what I think to be one of the better wide receiver groups in the league. If Pitts can turn it around, that would be a great thing. And yeah, I also I will be also taking my over. I'm not going to emotionally hedge, and we'll cover emotionally hedging another time. Uh, Yoni,
0: as the person who set the line, what are you going to be taking? I'm also taking the over. I just kind of wanted to spur something up right there and see if someone was going to take the under. I mean, I think it's feasible that some someone could have taken the under, but I, I think you have a good enough team and you have the luck factor on your side. Um, as, so for right now, I want to quickly go through the other remaining teams. How many do we have? We have three more from Aaron, two more from me, and two more from Sammy. So right now, I'm just going to list off the two teams and I'm going to list off the lines that I gave them. I'll hand it over to both of you, and then you guys get like, I don't know, like 30 seconds or whatever, just like however much you time, how much time that you want, really, to just kind of explain it. So I'm going to start off with Josh. I gave him the line of, I guess, because we're doing it in halves, I'll just do like seven and a half wins. So, KP, what do we think about seven and a half wins, real quick, for Josh?
1: Uh, I'm going to take the over solely on the reasoning that I took both you and uh when I get to Sammy's line I will personally be taking his over. And what it comes down to me is you guys I think have a very top heavy division. So unless Josh fully wins out against the two current two, oh, and ON2 teams, Darone and Ari in your division, I think it's gonna be hard for him to get to eight wins starting out one-on-one. He would need to go uh eight wins would put him at what eight and Six, so he'd have to go. uh, I guess seven and five isn't unrealistic, uh, as I just backed myself to go seven and five. But I also think there's just a few question marks on his team and Alan Robinson, uh, Kareem Hunt, guys like that, where I think they're in interesting situations and it could end up hurting him. So I will personally be taking the under on seven and a
0: half. Sammy, what are your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna zag Aaron Zig there and I'm gonna take Josh's over um josh uh as the only delightfully put it wonderful guy baseball fan i thought that was a a nice way to get josh introduced but yeah yeah i just think i believe in his team for a number of different reasons and i agree that while Kareem hunt isn't like my favorite player for the first you know 11 weeks of the season until deshaun Watson comes back josh also has nick chubb and for now it seems like he's content on starting them both and last year and in years past i've been on high as high on that but like Looking at last week as an example, where uh, Nick Chubb had 17, well, 20 total touches, right, and three touchdowns, and then Kareem Hunt also, like, receives, like, an actual workload with 11 touches, or 13 total touches. That's 33 total touches for his running backs. That's about as much as I got, if not slightly less, from Jonathan Taylor and Leonard Fournette last week. So I don't really care where they're coming from. His guys are getting opportunity. Uh, His quarterback, Matthew Stafford, is a little bit sketchy, but... I You know, if he throws 40 touchdowns, he'll be fine, just like last year. And he has Mark Andrews, one of the greatest positional advantages. And he's wide receivers are great, in my opinion. I'd like Josh's team all around. T. Higgins, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks. And then on his IR right now, because he's suspended, is, is his superstar, Mike Evans. Um, and so I already named a ton of players on Josh's team I like, and I haven't even named Rashad Penny or Michael Gallup. And so when you look at Josh's team, I think he's the kind of team that has depth when he's playing those teams with bye week problems that don't have the depth to compensate, I think we'll clean up. I see Josh getting to eight wins, if not more.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you over two. Um, I'm going to move on quickly to Darone. Derone, I gave – so right now, Darone is 0-2. It's not looking super bright for Darone's team. Roster is not beautiful the draft picks and capital aren't beautiful for obviously we're keeper league. So like the future matters as well as this year. Um, it's not the best situation, but he does have Joe Mixon and Jalen Hurts, of course, and Derek Henry, who hasn't been his same old, same old, but maybe he will turn that around. Rest of his team is okay. I mean, he has like rookie Drake London and he's got Fryermuth. love Patty fries or whatever you want to call Fryermuth. Um, He's a fun tight end. So I gave Jerome the line of five and a half five and a half wins, and then KP, what do you think about that quickly? I'm honestly going to take the under.
1: Uh, I think he could easily go five and seven in the last few games. Like, If he had a win to his name already, I would take the over probably. But as you mentioned, he doesn't have great draft capital. Derek Henry, who he spent a lot to get this offseason, has really not impressed me. Uh, right now in his flex position, he's having to shovel through guys like Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, Devin Duvernay, guys who I personally don't back that much from a fantasy standpoint. And when Chris Godwin gets back, he could be in a better position, but I don't think he has the assets to make the moves. Um, And that would be my personal concern. Uh, But you never know when you have a guy like Jalen Hurts at quarterback, he can carry you to wins, but I'm still going to be taking the under at five and a half.
2: Sammy, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stay on board with there and there. And as much as I love my guy, Daron, uh, I don't see six wins at this point. Um, I, he would have to go six and six the rest of the way. Right. And and I just don't think his team's a 500. team. Unfortunately, I, I his running backs right now. Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry are underperforming. They'll get better. Don't get me wrong. His running back three is Michael Carter, who I think will get worse as the year progresses, and his running back four is non-existent. I mean, he doesn't have a fourth running back on his roster, so I'm not exactly sure what happens if you know one of those two workhorse running backs or whatever you want to call them at this point in their careers gets hurt. Um, and already, I think he's on thin ice, and uh, I just see it crashing through at some point. He doesn't have his pick next year, so like I wish it was, he was in a better spot for this year, but it's seeming like Jesse, who got his pick last year in the Stefan Diggs trade, and Jerome's already moved on from Diggs. Um, It seems like he's going to be pretty, pretty set with that because I think Jerome, if I had to say right now, I was going to have the least amount of wins in the league. I, I would unfortunately go with Jerome. Yeah. Um,
1: I wouldn't find that to be too crazy. Uh, I mentioning about his draft capital. I also have a second next year. Like his there's it's hard for, it's going to be hard for him to make moves. Yoni, what are you, what are you taking here?
0: I'm going to take the under. Um, I, Start when I started off thinking of the own, I put the line at four and a half, which I guess maybe it'll be a little more interesting Um, because later on in the year he might be tanking. But I'm I'm also stick with the under on five and a half on the for four and a half. I probably would have gone with like five wins on the season, maybe even the under on four and a half. But we'll go with that. And yeah. now I'm gonna slide it over back to you, Aaron.
1: Okay, so I've got three more guys I've got to work through. I'm gonna kick us off with another 0-2 team. I've got Ari. I've got his line set at six and a half, and I. You guys might feel a little certain way about it, but he did just make a move picking up James Connor, uh, who I think is quite good and something that he desperately needed for his team. His running back, if Damian Pierce can get back to that work, ho- work horse spot could be really good. Javante Williams, I think is a stud. He's got solid wide receivers. He's got Waller. who's a good tight end. He's got some solid depth. JK Dobbins. When he gets healthy, he'll be there. D hop coming back week six. Um, I just think him to be a 500 team this year isn't unrealistic. Yeah, I think that's understandable. What did you say the line was again? You said it was six and a
0: half, I believe. Six
1: and a half, putting him an over
0: makes him 500, and under makes him just under 500. I think I'd take the under. I think he could have six wins, but I, I would take the under there. I think what I will say about Fish is that he did obviously just add some talent to his team. And in the first two weeks, he played me and Sammy, who are the two best teams in our division, I will say. Like, that's, I, per- I personally believe that. So then, which means he has two fewer games against better teams, means he's going to play Josh twice and then Jerome twice. I think he could beat Jerome twice. Obviously, fantasy football makes literally no sense, but he could beat him twice. And then his talent for the rest of his team is solid. Um, we did set, we did actually set out a poll. Well, Sammy set out a poll on the Keep League Twitter saying which O and two team do you think is going to win or do what was it again? Like which, which O
2: and two team has the best chance to make the playoffs. Yeah.
0: So the best chance to make the playoffs and I instantly saw fish's team and I voted for him. So I, I think he's got the best chance of any of those. And yeah, I'll take the, I'll take the under on it, but I still think it's a six win sort of season for fish. Sammy, what do you think?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the over and i um, to take the over here, right? He'll need to go what, seven and five in his last twelve, but it, it kind of comes down to what you were saying, Yoni. I think his schedule lends himself to that possibility. I think I think that there's a little bit of a, you know, one A, one B with you and Josh. And I'm not ready to give one person over the other. Um, I'm not gonna give the bulletin board material satisfaction to Josh today. Um, I believe in Josh's team. I believe in your team, Yoni, and I believe in in Fish's team. And really what it comes down to, I guess. Is I don't believe in Daron's team, but at the same time, you're all right. It's fancy football. Daron is not going to lose all eight of his division games. So I'm taking the over on faith that his team, Fish's team, that is, will come through. He still has some assets to make moves with. And he proved yesterday with the James Conner trade that he's not afraid to make those assets. We're talking about a guy who has never had more than four wins in a season, uh, the only member in the league's history to never make the playoffs. And this is the first time I feel like he's had a legitimate opportunity to get to the playoffs. And I think he's going to do what it takes to put himself in that position. And so I'm just going to put some faith in my man fish today.
1: Sammy, I'm going to join you with that over. And part of it also for me is I just think he has the starter talent. I didn't even mention that he has Tyreek kill as well. Who's looking like an absolute stud in Miami. Um, I just think the talents there, as you mentioned, I think he's probably desperate to make it to the playoffs and you're going to need to be at least 500 to make the playoffs. In my opinion this year, So I will also be taking the over, which brings us to my final person and my co-host Sammy, the twenty twenty one league winner, who started off this year two and zero. Sammy, I have your total. I'm going to have you answer first, set at ten and a half for this season.
2: Yeah, um, I mean it's a little weird that I'm talking about my team first, but I guess I can give a quick rundown of my team. I guess that's what you're getting at. my team, I I would say, like, is generally considered to be the best team in the league. Um, I have really solid receivers, I think, is the biggest strength of my team. I have Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and Cooper Cup, who, when they're healthy and, you know, active, will be in my lineups each week. Um, but I also have pretty good receiver depth as well with Michael Pittman and Cortland Sutton and then a little Rashad Bayman action as well. Um, and then, like, complementing them, I still have very solid running backs. I have Jonathan Taylor, who... It was pretty bad last week, but still, you know, it, it's Jonathan Taylor. I have Najee Harris on the corner as well. Um, Ten and a half, I think, is an interesting number. I'm trying to think it out. So that would mean to get over, I would have to go from nine and four the rest of the way. I think that that's about about where I'll go. I'm I'm just going to give myself the bout of confidence. I say I'll, I'll get to the 11 wins this year, um, and I'll, I'll take my slate over. I do. I've played fish and drone so far, so I haven't really gotten to the hard part of my schedule. But you could argue that it's beneficial for me to be getting to the hard part of my schedule You know, once bye weeks start to come up. And we've already seen that. It does seem like I'm going to be one of the luckier teams when it comes to bye weeks this year. Um, week seven it's, or eight, particularly against Jeremy, his big combo of Herbert and Eckler are going to be on bye, and I'm pretty ready for that game. And a game that maybe is a closer to 50-50 shot for Jeremy to take, I think I'll have a good shot in that one. So give Jeremy some bulletin board material right there. But, yeah, I, I'm just going to be confident, and I'll take, I'll take a slight over there.
1: Yeah, I uh, definitely would say I factored in the bye weeks into this number. Yoni, what about
0: yourself? I'm going to start off by saying that I would give Sammy the over, but I want to give – I really want to give him the under. Not not to be rude against you, it's just I want to beat you. Like, we play – we still have to play twice this year. So, to in in me saying this, I'm recognizing that I may lose one of those games. Maybe uh, – hopefully not both. Like, that would really suck for my situation. But I will give you the vote of confidence in saying that you're going to. Get, it was nine and four for the rest of the year. I mean, you obviously just went two and zero, but you scored most points in both weeks, or most points this last week, and then Matthew week one. Um, so I mean, but you were second that week, anyways, in points scored. So whoever you're playing, I'd say it looks good. Obviously, we just saw that you can score second most in a week and lose with fish past week against you, and then I did it the first time week eleven last year. But doesn't happen that often. So if you're scoring the same amount of points as you always are, then, and, or unless some players get hurt or you do something crazy with your team, then I see you hit the over pretty easy.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna join in on the over train. I don't want it to become a thing between me and Sammy if I take his under. But I also set the slime, thinking that 11 wins is pretty probable. I feel like I wouldn't be shocked if he picks up two more wins against Fish and Jerome. There's a few other games that I highlighted or Sammy highlighted, and I talked about with the bye weeks. Um, so I'm going to be taking the over. Sammy, we've got two more to hit. What do you got?
2: Yeah, um, I have Jesse, right? Uh, league winner um, now two years ago, I guess, the 2020 season. Uh, as Yoni mentioned, he he is playing from Israel this year, which is pretty cool. He's one and one right now and coming off a really solid win. He's been wheeling and dealing. Uh, as of late. And I think that um, for Jesse, I'm going to go with one on one right now. He is, I'm setting his over under at seven and a half wins. Um, Yoni, what do you think?
0: Seven and a half wins. I haven't checked his schedule. I know what his team looks like. I want to take the over right there. I think he could go seven and five and get to that eight and whatever, eight and six sort of season for him. I mean, he's got a good roster. He's obviously he's willing to do whatever it really takes. And it seems as though he's being really active from Israel, setting his lineups, doing all the sh- good shenanigans that we appreciate out of him. Um, being in a different country of fantasy football is difficult, but he's, he's wheeling and dealing. So it seems like he's willing to do what it takes to win this year. Aaron, what are, what are your thoughts on this line?
1: I'm actually going to take the under here. I think he has a few guys who I think are going to see a decrease in value as the year goes along uh Clyde Edwards alaire to name Tyler Lockett uh I wasn't a huge fan of Claypool either I thought it would have been better for him to hold on to Alave I thought it was great he picked up Gabe Davis but he, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Melvin Gordon pickup he's got Josh Jacobs who I don't totally love he's spent some of his free agent acquisition budget on Taysom Hill my biggest concern is I feel like he's lost a lot of his star power outside of obviously Josh Allen and Debo Samuel um, I'm going to take the under. I just think that we all hit the vision. He's in my division, which I also think is harder. I think it's going to be more splits for divisional matchups. And hence, I think under.
2: Yeah, I'm going to join in Aaron with the slight under. And like pretty much all the lines that I set, like I was half game off on And in this one, I decided um, to give him the extra half game, you know, towards going whatever, eight and six. But I think around seven and sevens we where going will end. But I will say he's poised to make more moves, right? Like he has drones first, which means like he can use one of those firsts to create a serious blockbuster trade. He's the only person in the league, um, I believe right now with multiple firsts. So yeah, look out for Jesse as the season continues. Um, It was, I call it a one-year retool last year. Uh, Maybe a rebuild. I mean, maybe at some point we'll talk about that infamous night, maybe on the one-year anniversary. I think it was September 30th. Uh, There was quite an amount of trades last year, but um, moving along, The last team that I'll be presenting is none other than Jeremy Lazoff. Jeremy joined us a little bit late. Uh, He was not here for the 2019 season, but since 2020 he's come in and really not only solidly improved each year, but um, like his team, but as a fantasy manager, uh, to his credit, he, as far as I know, hadn't played really any fantasy football, came in in 2020, infamously dropped Josh Allen, um, and then since then, you know, he's had his fair shares of, of lows, but it's been a lot of highs as of late. And that's kind of highlighted by his two and start to this year. I, you know, off the podcast, have been a huge supporter of Jeremy's team this year. Um, I think up and down the roster, there's a lot to like, he made a trade this off season with me for Austin Eckler, somebody who I wasn't thrilled to give up, but going it had to be done. And so that gives him a very lethal combination of Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler. He has Jalen Waddle, who it seems like is really taking off. He has CeeDee Lamb, who obviously is a little bit, you know, the ceiling's a little low right now, but Dak seems to be coming back sooner rather than later. Watch out for Jeremy. He has plenty of running back depth. He has Juju on his bench these days. He has Elijah Mitchell on the IR if he can get back right. A 2-0 start, I really do think that it's – the championship is not out of the number of of, uh, possibility. And so with that in mind, I'm going to set his over-under at 8.5 wins Yoni, what do you think about that?
0: Eight and a half wins. See, off the pod, no, I have nothing wrong with eight and a half wins. Off the pod, I make these commissioner rankings. Just give a little context here. And I believe I put him fourth this past week. I did Sammy, then Matthew, and then Josh, and then Jeremy. And Jeremy wasn't a huge fan of those. Jeremy was not too happy with my rankings. Eight and a half wins, that means he's going seven and five for the rest of the season. Um, oh yeah. Fun, yeah. League commissioner, la, 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 la. Um, but, um, that means he's going seven and a half, seven, five. I take the over on that. I, I think he's got a really solid squad and right now he has a great solid squad. But then, as you said, when Dak comes back, CD is going to be even better. And who knows if he can take that jump and take him to the promised land. Aaron, what do you think about it? I'm going to zag. Uh,
1: what well, you guys zig, I'm actually going to take the under here in half. And my reasoning truly is in the depth situation. He's right now starting Antonio Gibson and has Brian Robinson on IR. Um, I think that's going to be a weird situation. Once Brian Robinson comes back, you might not know who to start. Kind of like what you have Yoni currently with Travis at and James Robinson. And I don't disagree. He's got a great starting lineup, but his bat, his bench right now is both the Miami running backs, Zach Moss, Mark Ingram, Juju, who I'm a fan of Isaiah McKenzie, who hasn't really been living up to the hype. And Niku Collins, who has also been kind of struggling to really live up to what a lot of people thought he would be in the preseason. So if he wins the game, like if he can win the games where he's not too hit or not hit too hard by buys, then I think he could hit this over. My concern is whether or not he can get those games. And then if he's gonna get killed by buys or injuries. But Sammy, I actually realized I made a small mistake. I forgot to mention the last team in our league, and it's a uh, never Aaron. won a playoff game. Matthew Lorenz. Uh, the total, Aaron, is.
2: yeah. Do you mind if I quickly uh, say if I think Jeremy's going to go over or under?
1: I do mind, but you can go anyways.
2: All right, I just I want to say something about Jeremy's team. I want to say that I uh, know I'm going to use infamous for like the third time in this uh, monologue about Jeremy. But infamously, when we found out that he was playing with Herbert and Eckler and against me. He had jokingly said that, oh, well, at least that's a game I was gonna lose anyways. And while that's annoying to me because obviously we still have to play that fantasy football game and he could of course win. He does, he is on to something there. Like he, that's gonna be his worst 5 week issue. And if he wins or loses that game, especially if he wins, he's gonna hit this number, even if he loses. That means with, you know, pretty solid team because Eckler and Herbert will be playing the rest of the year, you know, injury, you know, withstanding, he would need to go, what, seven and four, which I, I strongly believe he's capable of doing. I think he's in, I think he's in a really good spot. I'm just, he beat Josh right already. And so he only has one more game against his rival, which we didn't get to, but basically just who you play two games against another division, look out for Jeremy as a possible team to get the buy in your division, Aaron, if you and Matt, you know, kind of don't pull it out.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he hits the over, but I just think there's a couple questions surrounding his team. So going back to what I was saying, as I, cut sammy off last member of the league great team at year in year out but has never won a playoff game we've got matthew who's in the division with me and jeremy just lost me two nights ago to set himself up to be one and one he's got a top heavy team with mahomes kelsey jefferson chase uh traded away gabe davis dalvin cook he's got real talent uh just picked up devonta smith and amari cooper and at that point i will be setting his line at nine and a half Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say.
2: Yeah, I'll take it, Aaron. Matthew, uh, as you said, he has tons of top end talent. And I think we've already seen a microcosm of his season in the first two weeks. He came out week one, tons of blazing. Gabe Davis starts him off first touchdown of the year. He goes on to score the most points in the league. He looks unstoppable. I considered him. I mentioned this to be like a finals favorite. Uh, and then we go to the next week. And he gave Davis, one of his players, gave Davis is out, things fall apart. You know, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson don't live up to their potential. And all of a sudden he scored the second least amount of points. That inconsistency is not something I think is going anywhere. And for that reason, I'm going to take the under for his regular season wins, but he will get into the playoffs most likely. And he'll be a problem when he does because it, there might not be a team with a higher ceiling. I just think, I, I think that, you know, getting to 10 wins would mean going nine and four the rest of the way. I think there will be enough times where his team doesn't show up that he's not able to get that done. And so I'm going to give, I'm going to give the rest of the league a chance. I'm also taken a bunch of overs because I enjoy believing in my friends and thought that I don't believe in that. I just, I think nine wins is about where he'll end up.
0: Sorry about that. I'm going to agree with you on that point. I believe that he is not going to hit the over. I'm going to take the under on this. I think what Sammy said is that very true is that in these past two weeks, we've seen how his team can be inconsistent because it's so star heavy. And later on in the year, when we start seeing some bye weeks out of his star players, the Dalvin Cook and Jefferson week, team's not super deep. So he's not going to have good players to do that. Um, So that might be a struggling one. And then as we talked about the bye weeks maybe injuries come up that always happens in fantasy football. Again, not a very deep, deep team. The squad's not looking to, his bench not looking great. Maybe he'll make some trades, but who knows? I'm going to take the under on this, but I will say that out of all the teams in the league that I don't want to see in the playoffs, number one, I'd say Sammy. Number two, Matthew, considering how star heavy his team is and how any of them can go off for 30, 40 points any day, as you saw with Jefferson. Cook has the same ability. Chase has been good so far, but you can see a lot more from him when the Bengals start getting going. Aaron, this was your line. What do you think about this one?
1: (laughs) I'm also going to be joining on the under. Sammy and I have been talking about for maybe two years now, if I'm not mistaken, and it's Matt's depth. He invested in some by turning Gabe Dave into both Amari Cooper and Devonta Smith, but he also gave up Melvin Gordon. So currently the running backs Matthew has outside of Dalvin cook and Jeff Wilson, Jr. Who's a little bit of a rental is Jamal Williams, Naheem Hines, Ramondre Stevenson like it's all currently backups and that's a big concern. We talked about uh, Darone not having a wide, a running back four. I don't really feel like Matt has a great running back three even, and that's going to be a a real issue for him. So I will also be taking the under. And then I think Sammy is about to kick off our next segment and kind of let you guys know about that.
2: Yeah, for sure. That was a lot of fun going through and giving kind of an introduction in that fun way. And, And our next kind of, I think segment's the right word for it, is going to be something that we're going to call this or that. And that gets its inspiration from uh, the Jackbox games. Um, And so the nice thing about like this or that and calling it, well, this, I know that's a little redundant, is that we're going to each week or each time we do this segment and have kind of different things today, that's going to be faking or taking. And it's also going to be buying or selling. And so for faking or taking, we'll get into that in a second. And um, that's going to be about a team in our league and, and, and kind of like an opinion about that. And then for buying or lying, it's going to be more about a general fantasy football, you know, general fantasy football, either about a player or a team. So, for example, the Lions running backs or, for example, DeAndre Swift specifically. Um, and so to kick us off, I think let's start with uh, taking or faking. And I'll start with mine. I'm kind of going to mediate the conversation here and, uh, we each are going to have one take, but I'll kind of read them out and then we'll discuss my take was, um, and so basically how it's going to go is, uh, you guys are going to say, are you taking, you know, what I'm putting down or am I kind of faking am, am I taking it too far? Right. So here's my take. Uh, I'm going to say that Matthew post Melvin Gordon trade has the worst running backs in the league. Uh, I know that that's going to be a lot for you guys to process quickly. So I'll talk about it first, right? Kind of give the case. Um, and then I'll let you guys kind of chime in and formulate your opinions. So just to, for everybody, you know, listening, I'm, I'll read through Matthew's running school. He has Dalvin Cook, fantastic, you know, underperformed, but I'm not worried yet. I don't think anybody is. He spent 904 of his 1,000 fab on Jeff Wilson Jr., who don't, you know, don't sleep on him by any means, but he he played more percent of the snaps in week one than week two. So once he was supposed to be the guy, he only played 49% of the snaps, despite them winning by a lot. Because when they were actually winning, it was Tyrion Davis-Price who came in. And although he's sidelined for a few weeks, don't be surprised if it's Jordan Mason who steps up. Um, and so other than Dalvin Cook and Jeff Wilson, we're talking about Jamal Williams, Naheem Hines, Ramondre Stevenson. So Aaron, let me start with you. Are you taking this or, or am I taking it?
1: I'm fully taking this, Sammy. I kind of chirped on it just recently when we were talking about Matt's over-unders. Ramondre is the only running back that he doesn't start who I have any faith in because uh, Naheem Hines isn't a plug-in place even if Jonathan Taylor goes down. Jamal Williams could be a plug-in place, but I just don't think he's as dynamic a running back as DeAndre Swift, and I don't think he's nearly as good as a pass catcher. And I said, as I was talking about Matthew's team, Jeff Wilson Jr., in my mind, is a rental you talked about how his snaps went down when they were winning. I personally think the 49ers are a pretty good team. I think they're going to be winning. Maybe he stays in, but it's also, he's had injury history. They're probably going to want to be careful with him. And I think it's going to be more of a split than it was last year when Elijah Mitchell took over and was that guy. So I'm taking this take.
2: Glad to hear that, Aaron. I mean, like once again, this isn't a slight towards Matthew. I took this under, I'm saying he has the worst running backs. He still has a fantastic team and, and, He's not going to be afraid to make a move for a running back either. Uh, how about you, Yoni? Are you taking this take, or are you going to you gonna say that I'm a little bit going too far right now?
0: I'm going to say that you're going a little bit too far. This was actually similar to one of mine, which I'll talk about later. Um, but my, I, I'm going to say you're taking this a little too far and being fake. The So you said Cook, Wilson, and a bunch of other players. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yoni, I just want to say I think you should talk about it now. Um I, I you had texted me. I think we should talk about that now because basically that's why you don't think it's Matthew, right? So so talk to us about who you think has the worst running backs in the league. Um, and and you know, we'll we'll go from there.
0: So the worst running backs in the league, thank you for that. The worst running backs in the league actually does not belong to Matthew, it belongs to Jeremy Lazouf. Jeremy, his roster, let's look at this right now. He has got Austin Eckler, just traded for him, Antonio Gibson, who everyone was doubting during the offseason, but he's actually looked somewhat okay as a fantasy running back. But everyone is worried about Brian Robinson coming in and taking his job. On the bench, he's got Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, Zach Moss, Mark Ingrams. None of those players I would ever feel comfortable starting. I will say that Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert complete timeshare. Most of the snaps that are in the backfield are actually not even going to running backs. They're going to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, two of the fastest players in the league. Chase Edmonds, there's actually a tweet that I saw that says, Chase, who thought, like, why would anyone think that Chase Edmonds was going to be good in Miami offense when Miles Gaskin was pretty much the same thing and wasn't good either? And then Raheem Mostert, I loved him when he was in San Francisco, but still, like, not a huge fan. Like, I would never feel comfortable playing either of those players. And then Austin Eckler, I know he actually just traded for him, but he has not looked amazing so far this year. He's actually had a similar start to Dalvin Cook. Um, So I don't think that's too promising. Also, Austin Eckler is an aging, smaller running back who has said open and willingly that he – will take fewer snaps per game to extend his career and play every game throughout the season. So I'm a little worried there. And then Antonio Gibson, I already talked about him. So that's why I am faking on your – I'm calling bluff on your take.
2: That's fair, Yoni. That's fair. Um, I, I'm i not going to really offer a strong opinion um, because the truth is I would give this prompt to both you and Aaron and the general public. Who do you like more, Austin Eckler or Dalvin Cook? Perhaps that's what it comes down to. Um so next up on our taking or faking segment, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Yoni's taking or faking and uh buckle up, Aaron, because Yoni are, is asking if I and, and you, I wonder what you'll say, are taking or faking the idea that despite starting two and O, Aaron will be missing the playoffs this season. Yoni, why don't you talk us through that rationale as to why uh, you think that's a possibility?
0: I think Aaron is a solid squad in starting two and O is very it's great but as we've seen uh, it just hasn't been there so far this year like the numbers haven't been coming through And as much as I actually like the players NFL wise on his team, it hasn't been looking beautiful and I think his division is actually really strong as we said earlier the my the division that Sammy and I are in with top heavy and then some not as great teams at the bottom but in Aaron's division pretty much every team could be in playoff contention um you have teams all over the place that could be uh, scoring 160 points every week but they could also be scoring 110 who knows so i will say that i i don't know whether i believe this or not but i that is my take for the day sammy what do you think about this one you know okay this
2: the funny thing is like this is a hot take and i buy into it to a certain extent but what did i just say that i think aaron's going to get over eight and a half wins right uh <laughs> If he does that, there's no doubt that it, we're close to him getting a bid and missing the playoffs. But I, I totally understand why we should have this discussion. Like I mentioned earlier, eighth most points in the league—that's uh, horrible. Obviously, he 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 can't get this lucky every week. Whatever you know, he can't keep getting away with it. Whatever you want to call it, it doesn't change the fact that in a vacuum, his team is not the worst team. It is probably not the second worst team. At a certain point, when you're two and zero in fantasy football, it puts you in such a good position to make the playoffs. So. I think this is worth having a conversation. Um, uh, if he does miss the playoffs, this is totally something that you should look back on and say, hey, I saw this as a strong possibility, but I am not going to be able to, to take this take with you. I, I'm going to call that you are faking here and that Aaron, uh, Aaron will get into the playoffs.
1: I'm personally going to back myself. Um, and part of it comes down to a couple of things. One, my team, as far as the points go, If you look at week one, I started uh, Trey Lance in the Monsoon game. That game was chalk. Like, no one really performed in that game. Debo got the rushing touchdown. Khalil Herbert got a rushing touchdown. They looked good. Week two, also started Trey Lance. He goes down to injury. I ended up scoring, I want to say, 100. I just found 115 points. Trey Lance plays, he probably gets at least 15 points. It's 130. It's a different conversation about my points scored. Obviously, I'm going to defend my team. I agree. My running backs are a little bit suspect, and if Pitts doesn't turn around, it could be a serious issue for me. But I think, again, if normal weather week one and Trey Lance doesn't get hurt week two, or if he even plays a little bit more of the game, we're having a completely different conversation. I'm biased, but I still say you're faking it, Yoni. So that's personally my take. And then my uh, fake taking, or I guess taking or faking, was a little different. It's um, it, it's building off what you kind of what you said, Yoni, with Jeremy having the worst running backs. For me, it's where or not Jeremy's team is a pretender. I am mainly concerned about the running backs and the depth, and I'm not sure whether or not he's a real 2-0 because, like me, like he has scored more points than me, but he also has allowed – Fifteen less and only scored about twenty more. I'm not really sure. Uh, it, I, I believe in him for the most part, but I want to know where or not you guys fully believe. Sam, I mean, you've talked about it a little bit, but you only what about yourself.
0: I, I see what you're saying, and I, I see, I understand the depth piece and the bye weeks and all of that and how that could hurt him. I also will say you talked about the points scored against him. He led up ninety. Led up. Not, Josh scored ninety three point seven week one. And he won by eight, and then Dylan scored ninety-two point eight in week two. Um, in terms of the lowest amount of points scored and going two and zero, we talked about that being Aaron. But this also not the best look. I mean, he's he's getting the job done, so he's two and zero. And I I think you are faking it. I I think he's not a pretender because I I think he has a really solid roster. But I kind of see what you're saying, Sammy. What do you think?
2: honestly confused how I could be so out of line with you guys on on our views of Jeremy's team because obviously when it's something with our teams it's easy for us to have you know skewed skewed uh, opinions but in general I feel like we especially especially like us three like most of our league though, see eye to eye on a lot of things just because you know we talk so much I see Jeremy's team as like really really good like from top to bottom really like his running backs is whatever but some combination of Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, and whatever is going on with Chase Edmonds, and um, you know, and Elijah Mitchell coming off the art, he is more than enough there to sustain where he has pretty much strengths everywhere else. Justin Herbert is fantastic. Jalen Waddle, Garrett Wilson, Ceedee Lamb, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Garrett, and um, Curtis Samuel might be number two, number three best receiver group. And so, at a certain point, I'm. I'm going to have to say that that's a huge faking because it does not matter to me at all what you allow. If you score enough that you should win anyways. Okay. So Aaron to have the conversation that Jeremy should be one and one is totally fine, but to have the conversation that, Oh, he's allowed only this many points. If anything, it's unlucky to not allow a lot of points um, and win by a lot. Because for me, I played against the person who scored the second most points last week and one, that's great. I deserve to win scoring the most. It's also pretty lucky that the person who scored the most second weeks, he didn't catch me when I was not playing my best. Um, So yeah, overall, I am, I'm, I'm really like, I'm in on team germs. I'm not pivoting uh, at this point. I I think he and Matthew's matchup will be really fun this weekend. You know, obviously it's not as if Jeremy's guys can get more ready to face Matthew. That's not how it works, but you know that this one's been circled on Jeremy's calendar for whatever that means. Um, So, yeah, I, I think, I think that kind of wraps up taking or faking, right? Uh, do either of you have any last comments? No. no. All right. So, yeah. So, we'll move on to uh, to buying or lying. And for buying or lying, it's it's more about fantasy football in general. Of course, it can still be kind of in the landscape of our league. Um, and I think for buying or lying, the best place to start uh, is going to be kind of one that you uh, both touched on, Yoni and Aaron. And it's surrounding the commanders. Um, Aaron wants to say, wants to know if we're buying or lying the idea that Carson Wentz uh, is a QB1 for the season and that he's capable of supporting the commanders receiving core. And Yoni wants to know if the commanders, that his buying or lying is that the commander's offense is legit, of course, from a fantasy perspective. Um, So I'm going to let Aaron, you can kick it off. And uh, kind of just talking about what you thought, Yoni, you can then do the same. And I guess I'll, I'll say if I'm buying or lying it from the commander's standpoint, this should be interesting.
1: So I think one of the more interesting things this year so far, as far as the commander's offense and when, how it pertains to Carson Wentz, is the wide receiver talent and how it's been mixed around. Like Curtis Samuel's been good. Jahan Dotson's been good. And Terry McLaurin's been good. I know a lot of people thought that it was kind of be like, wait and see on Jahan, Curtis Samuel should get some stuff, but like Terry's that guy. Um, But I think the most impressive thing about it for me at least has been Carson Wentz has been extremely impressive. He has thrown seven total touchdowns, uh, only three interceptions. He's actually provided his fantasy owners a little bit of running. He's got eight attempts for about 33 yards. It's nothing crazy. It's four yards an attempt, but it's not bad. Uh, The thing for me that makes it a buying or lying is the commanders have been losing, uh, they, the Jaguars game, they weren't really losing as much, but in the Lions game down 22-0 at half, of course, he was going to pass the ball 46 times, but in a game where they weren't, where it wasn't like necessary to be as pass-heavy of a game script, he still attempted 41 passes. So For me, it's like, it seems like they want to air the ball out either way. Both games, he's gone over 300 yards. I don't think he's going to be getting over three touchdowns a game anymore, and that's kind of where it depends. Is like, do you think this continued success and I Yoni, know, it's leaning into yours, but is this gonna is the commander's offense gonna be good enough long term?
0: Yeah, you kind of touched on all the points that I was gonna talk about. The what I was specifically talking about, I mean, I'm I'm just gonna go player by player for the commanders and like just tell you what I'm doing here. Carson Wentz, I don't think he's gonna be great long term. He played the Jags and Lions. Lions have let up a lot of points this year. I mean, that Vikings game, they did not look great. Obviously, the Vikings have a good offense. But it is what it is. Um, I, I, Carson Wentz, I would not buy from there on out. Terry, I wouldn't buy. I think he's not gonna be very good the rest of the year. Dotson, I don't think is gonna be amazing the rest of the year. And then Curtis Samuel, I would Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas, I would buy. That's what I would say. Curtis Samuel, number one, is getting a lot of volume. I believe he had 12 or 13 targets, maybe more touches because they sometimes put him in the run game. Um, but Curtis Samuel is getting the volume that you want. And I just, like, I absolutely love volume in fantasy football. Everyone does, but, like, I, I think I value that sometimes a little more. Curtis Samuel is getting that. Logan Thomas, the only reason that I'm really buying him is because the tight end position is bleak. There is not much out there. Like, there, there really isn't much to it. But the commander's offense as a whole, I think, is lying so far in the year. Curtis Samuel, I would be buying if I were fantasy football owners. Sammy, as a commanders fan, what do you think about all these different takes? All
2: right. So it was kind of hard to keep track of all of it, but to get my thoughts out, kind of maybe in reverse order, just because it's what's freshest on my mind, Carson Wentz um, will be a legitimately good fantasy option. Really everybody on the commanders will be. And it's because like Yoni said, we just played the Jag, we the Commanders, sorry, of course, Abbott, just played the Commander or the Jaguars and the Lions. Those aren't the best teams in the NFL. I don't know if you guys knew that, um, and they're definitely not the best offenses. The Lions offense does look good. Maybe the Jaguars are frisky, but our defense, the commander's defense, is terrible. I'm talking bottom five. I'm talking for sure bottom ten, and it is not going to be 22 nothing every week, but there's never going to be a game where our game script is just run the football, run the football. We're going to win 17-13. to That's just not what this team is. Maybe when Chase Young comes back, but who knows when that's going to be. We're still banged up on defense. And so what that's going to do is offer opportunity game script wise. And Carson Wentz, uh, you know, you, you mentioned he played against the Jaguars, the Lions. The Jaguars um, have been the third best pass defense in terms of good old DVOA. Uh, the Lions have been middle of the pack. Neither of those teams have been particularly bad. Um, and Carson Wentz has done a nice job there. And what it comes down to from a fantasy perspective with Wentz is he's willing to air it out. Um you know, I, Aaron mentioned the rushing, and, and that's even a little bit deflated because he had a couple of kneel downs in week one. He's going to rush three times a week. He'll, he'll, he's not afraid to take the hits, so he'll hang in and make those deep throws. I believe in pretty much everybody in the commander's offense. The person who I believe least in is Terry, simply because I think it's going to be pretty split, and he has the highest expectations. Um, but I'll segment that kind of into Yoni's other one. talk about Jahan Dotson. And kind of I I see the way Yoni likes to do this is to go through a bunch of different options. And in this case, it's going to be rookie receivers. So, Aaron, uh, Yoni wants to know if we are taking or faking on Drake London, on Garrett Wilson, on Chris Olave, on Traylon Burks, and I'm going to throw in Jahan Dotson in that mix. So, Aaron, out of those five round rookies, who are you taking? Who are you faking?
1: Okay, so I'm going to be taking Drake London. It's obvious he's got some sort of connection with Mariota. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. I'm going to be I'm gonna be faking on Trey Burks. I talked about it a little bit. Like it's not unrealistic Uh, I think it was before the podcast actually. It's not unrealistic for him to have a great turnaround, but that offense just looked horrible. The run game can't get going, which means it can't open up the play action, which we know is what Tannehill is so good at. Teams can't respect run. I just don't think Burks has yet the connection or the separation necessary for that to be a thing Garrett Wilson. I don't know if this is a hot take. I'm honestly faking it because his success has come week one. He looked solid week two, the uh, jets were down and they had to pass a lot. And it's also with Joe Flacco. It's not a guarantee that he's going to be fed the same targets with Zach Wilson when he does return. And for me, that's a major concern. And then who am I missing? Who's the fifth receiver? You said John,
2: yeah, Jahan Dotson and Chris
1: Olave. Olave, I talked about it earlier. Uh, again, I can't remember if it's pre-pod, post, or during the pod, but I think he's solid. He's a big stash kind of guy, so I don't know if there's an in-between of taking or faking, but that's kind of my feeling on Jahan and Olave, where I feel like they're both solid. I don't know if I trust starting them in 10-man leagues or less, maybe a 12-man Uh, It kind of depends on your team situation. I think they're great guys to hold on to. And if you have someone in your league who doesn't think too highly of them, it can't hurt to go and grab them for cheap, in my personal
2: opinion. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said, Aaron. I'm going to push back or disagree is a better way to put it on, on one thing, and that's Garrett Wilson, because... It's like you guys both have talked about so far with both of these and how game script is so important. The Jets are always going to be losing. And I don't even just mean this year. I mean always. They're terrible. They always have and they always will be. And that's going to open the door for tons of late opportunities. And if anything, Zach Wilson should be throwing to Garrett Wilson more because that's the future of their franchise. That's what the owners are going to want. That's what the managers are going to want. That's the best chance for the coaching staff to keep their jobs is to give the talented players chances to make plays. I also think I'm a little higher on Dotson. Um, and it, it, I am biased, but he's really good. Like it, he has very strong hands. He's not gonna draw many passes. And so unlike you know, Christian Watson, who I know we didn't discuss, and and you know, he'll get the opportunities and make the most of them. And it's clear that he's a red zone target to Carson Lentz. It's not gonna be three touchdowns every two weeks. You know, he's not gonna finish the season with 24 touchdowns. Uh, but I think he could get close to 10 touchdowns. Um, I think he'll be solid all around. Talk to me, Oni.
0: I'm going to go a little uh, like tangent here thing, whatever I'm going to do this. Um, and then I'll kind of tell you what I think. A question for the crowd. Tyquan Thornton. Do we think that he is going to be the best player in the pit, best fantasy football player in the Patriots offense or top three? This year? This year, well, I mean, I guess you could do like next year, but that's kind of we don't really know much about that. Well, I
2: don't know, I just don't know when he's coming back, but I mean, he looked really good in the preseason. Yeah, he's supposed to come back like week seven, week eight, so
0: this would be like points, like average points per game, not total, obviously.
2: I'm gonna say no because I don't trust Mac Jones or the passing offense, so I'm gonna take Damien Harris to get you know eight touchdowns, and that would be enough for him to be the best uh, option in the offense, but in terms of the receivers. I would buy that Tyquan Thornton will be the best uh, fantasy option, yeah.
1: I didn't catch enough of him in the preseason, to be completely honest, so I don't have much in a, of an opinion. I agree the passing offense is not going to be great, so I don't think he's going to be an awesome fantasy option. Uh, and I, I don't know where he's going to rank among the receivers. You know, Kobe Myers just racks in targets like no one's business. Uh, so I'm not totally sure. Like a speedy wide receiver I feel like isn't the most – like the number one thing that comes to my mind when I think Patriots, so I'm not exactly sure how they're going to use him.
0: Yeah, that's understandable. I don't really, ha- I have no clue how they're going to use him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with what you guys said on the whole London Wilson olave rookie receiver core. So I don't want to like keep hashing that out even more and more because I most I agree with you. Um, what other buys or lies did we have, or was that the last one? Yeah,
2: last but not least would be would be mine, um, Aaron. Finally, something good. I got I got one you're gonna like. I I might be buying this and I want to hear your guys' opinion. Am I buying or lying if I say that Amon Ross St. Brown, the sun god, is a top seven fantasy wide receiver. Um, and to give a little context, uh, here are the six that I personally think are for now unquestionably ahead of him. Um Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs. And Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. After that, there's plenty of other options, whether it be AJ Brown, whether it be really whomever. Aaron Yoni, let's start with you, Yoni, and then we'll let Aaron talk about his guy. Uh, is Amon Ra St Brown the the uh, the next one? Is he a top seven receiver?
0: Yes, he is. He is he is indeed, and I don't like hyping up Aaron's team, especially because I'm playing him this week. But Amon Ra St. Brown, the sun God. Is most definitely that number seven guy. Um, I believe I don't even know what he had like thirty seven or forty last week. And what's the what's the stat like nine ten games in a row with some amount of receptions like Antonio Brown and someone else. Um, I wish I knew what it was. I want to say it's something
1: like the sixth player to have at least like I want to say it's like eight games in a row with at least eight catches is something like that. Yeah, but I'm not one hundred
0: percent certain. So, so, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I talked about this earlier. I love volume and I love targets. Um, and Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get that. I'm honestly a little pissed at myself that I didn't do that. That didn't take him. Uh, I believe I traded up in the draft to draft Marquise Brown when Amon Ross St. Brown was still available. And that has not panned out so well for me so far. Um, if I were to go back, if you were to go back in any redraft right now, he would be the highest riser of any player Ever in the history of the NFL, um, because he's just looking really good. Also, on I'm Am- on Ross St. Brown. You know those players in the NBA and NFL who, like know every single player who's been drafted before them, like the Draymond Greens of the world. Like I'm a- on Ross St. Brown has that, and I really appreciate a player like that. Um, Aaron, I think I know what you're going to say, but let's hear it.
1: So I'm kind of torn because I also have AJ Brown on my team who I think is kind of near that top level. Um, And had you asked me after week one, I would have said no. Like I thought he was good, but uh, A.J. Brown had such a great week one. Michael Pittman had also had a great week one. And now Mike Williams has had a great week two. Um, I'm going to say yes because I want to back my team. I don't want to emotionally hedge. Um, And I actually just think the talent's there. The whole concern for Amon Ross St. Brown coming into the year was, oh, he was so excited. he was so good because no TJ Hawkinson, no DeAndre Swift, but the targets are still there. The catches are still there. The red zone looks are there. Like He has everything you want in a great receiver. Um, his ability to line up in the slot and beat the weaker slot cornerbacks is extremely great. Um, I, I quickly looked up fancy pros, rest of the season, half PPR rankings, and they have him at nine. The two they have in front of him before uh, Sammy's list, is Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown at six, Debo at eight. I was out on Debo coming into the year. I still don't know how to feel, especially with the Garoppolo injury. Uh, I wouldn't mind if it's A.J. Brown followed by Amon Ra, but I really do think Amon Ra is going to have an elite season this year. Uh, The big thing for him will be making sure he can find the end zone week in, week out. Sammy, it was your take. Were you buying it or were you just giving us something good to talk about?
2: Aaron, I'm buying it. And uh, to finish your thought, Yoni, it's eight straight games with eight plus catches, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, We're not a PPR league, but we are halfway PPR and that's just sheer volume. I mean, not only do you get the four points for those eight catches, but eight catches is realistically at least 80 yards, right? So we're talking about a floor of 12 or 13 points. I mean, are you kidding me? That's insanely good. I, I, We've seen it. We see Jerry Goff be able to sustain fantasy options, uh, whether it be Brandon Cooks or, or whomever in his time in L.A. Um, I They don't like T.J. Hawkinson in Detroit. They hate him. And I will say, watching the game, when T.J. Hawkinson was targeted, he was pretty bad. Like, he had a couple drops. He had one nice play, but Amon Ra was like a Waffle ass man. I'm telling you, he's always open. He finds ways. He beats. He, he had a play where he, like, Kendall Fuller was a really solid corner. Had outside leverage on him. He beat him to the corner of the end zone. Uh, Maybe it's a little, what's the word, recency bias because, you know, uh, my team just got shell-shocked by him, and now he's, like, coming after Diami Brown and whatnot. But that guy's legit, man. I mean, the sun god is here to stay. Um, So, yeah, Yoni, you want to quickly talk about what we're going to do to wrap up in uh, our last kind of segment? Uh,
0: I'd love to, Serms. So the last (laughs) section of what we're going to do today and what we're usually going to do today, we're going to cut a little bit short because we're just – We've gone through all this. And we've been introducing everyone, which is lovely, but it's a, it's it's a long podcast. Um, but today, we are doing something which I like to call the Master Uguay section. Thank you, Aaron, for clarifying the name. I actually recently watched it; really wonderful movie, but cannot pronounce the Uguay for the life of me. So the quote that Master Uguay says to Master Shi is to Shifu. It's Master Uguay and Master Shifu. It's not Master Uguay. I don't know what I'm talking about. What he says, you is, have it both right. You're good. It's oh, a I good. Would. It's a good reference. Thank you. All right. This is the reference. This is the quote. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery, and today's a gift. That's why they call it the present. It's a beautiful quote. It's a beautiful scene. If you haven't watched it, you should. I'd be really disappointed if you haven't watched it. Um. But what we're gonna talk about is looking back at last week, looking forward to the next week in fancy football matchups for our league. And we're going to be kind of giving out some, like, awards for the last week and then giving out certain situations for the next week. Aaron, do you want to start us off with giving out the award and situation for next week? Uh, Sure. One game I have, the game I had highlight uh,
1: for next week was kind of a get right game. It's Matthew versus Jeremy. Uh, This whole podcast I've been a little bit low on Jeremy, as uh, it's been shown. For me, this is, like, one of those games where – it's kind of crucial for Matt to move to two and one and make Jeremy, another division member, move down to two and one versus Jeremy has a chance to get a two game lead on Matthew, who we talked about is a great talent. So maybe get it's a get right game for Matthew and it's a prove it game for Jeremy in my mind. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, currently, the projections sit at. Uh, Matthew with 55% chance uh, scoring 142.5 versus Jeremy at a 45% chance with 131.89. Uh, I think something to like definitely monitor will be Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson against Detroit this week. Can the Vikings' offense bounce back? Uh, as someone who just traded for Kirk Cousins, I hope they do. It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, but so that's my that's my key game for next week. What are you, uh, Sammy? I know you had talked about one pre-podcast. What are you working with there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just want to first say that I think that was a really good one, Aaron. Uh, the way you're framing that is is, is uh, absolutely accurate. And the one that I'm looking forward to uh is uh, a pretty early because it's only week three, but uh, we'll call it the loser leaves town game, right? Something that I've uh, heard on the Bill Simmons podcast before, which is basically if you lose this game, you know, it's it's a game seven type situation, and it's 0-2 Derone versus 0-2 Fish. More so for Derone, but, like, I just don't see a team going 0-3 and making the playoffs. It's a really, really tall task. and we got a pretty tight matchup projections-wise uh, between Fish and Derone this week. In Yoni and I's division, they were the first two picks in the, in the draft, so they're theoretically the worst teams. Um, Derone scored 11 more points than Fish so far this year. But Fish is coming off a really great week and and is uh, projected a little bit less than two more points in the run. So it should be a close game, a fun game, um, and one that both of those teams need desperately. Um, what about you, Joni? What are you looking forward to?
0: I had a similar idea to what Aaron said. It was kind of like a prove it or lose it sort of week. And we have 0-2 Dylan playing 1-1 on Jesse. Dylan needs a win badly because... I mean, he has the good players. We talked about this earlier, but he really needs a win. And the Jesse is one and one. And we've talked about his team. He has a solid team. But if he goes one and two, that could just be unfortunate in like a tight race into making it to the playoffs and into his division. Um, So that's who I'm going with for this upcoming week. Does anyone want to start us off for the last week? A little award ceremony. Does anyone have one for that? Yeah. Um, I'll go with it, Sammy.
1: You and I – oh, I didn't see you were calling for it. I was ready to go. Sammy, you and I texted this, uh, I want to say, at least two times on Monday night. We said, he's him. Uh, so the he's him award goes to Stefan Diggs uh, in your matchup against Ari this week. You and I were on the call for, I think, essentially the entire uh, Monday night football slate for the, at least the majority of it. And it was tense as you, you were tracking your win probability. Uh, we were hate You were hating, and I was... Feeling the stress too. Every time the Bills got in a position to score and it looked like they might fail and Tyler Bass, who Fish had, was going to get a field goal. And then Stephon Diggs finally decided that, you know what? That's it. We're winning the game. Puts team... What's the team name? Team Showman on his back to lead you to a 177-159 to win on a 40-point... I think, what was it? 40 points on Monday night. Things you absolutely... Love to see. Uh, so congratulations on the win, and that's the He's Him Award.
2: Love that, Aaron, not just because it's about my team, but like everything that you described, the thing I want to highlight the most, um, and I noticed this, I, I've thought about this before, but I really noticed it on Sunday when I was rooting for Kyler Murray to go down the field, score a touchdown, get a to point conversion, and get the ball back and score again. Fantasy football has you rooting for the wildest in-game scenarios you could possibly imagine. I mean, you'll be watching a random Thursday night game and being like, oh, they better not go three and out here because then there's going to be enough time for those timeouts to happen. And and then Nick Chubb's going to get those extra two points because they're definitely going to run it. Or no, they better get that first down because otherwise my guy's going to kneel when they get the ball back. I mean, you could be like in your game, Aaron, Matthew was getting, you know, late 40 to 12 garbage time defensive touchdowns. You just never know what you're going to end up having to root for when it comes to fantasy football. And it's so fun. It really is the best. And obviously there's two sides to that stick in it and it sucks when it doesn't go your way. But the he's him award we're going to spawn Diggs. I mean, that guy, that guy's off to some start.
1: Yeah, Sammy, what was your recap award?
2: My recap award, Aaron, you, I like that you just gave me all the love. I'm going to return it to you with a little bit of hate. I hate to say it, but we're going to call it the fossil fuel game of the week. And uh, it's going to be Aaron wins with two touchdowns scored for the second straight week. I'm calling this the fossil fuel because it's simply not sustainable. We're talking about something that is absolutely absurd to score two touchdowns in each of the last two weeks and win both games. Touchdowns are everything in fantasy football. And it's, I don't know the exact numbers about how unlikely it is to only score two touchdowns and to win the game. But I will say that you, Aaron, have the least touchdowns scored in the league through two weeks. You are 2-0, and and that's that can't – I don't care how lucky you are, that can't be sustainable. Yoni, what are you thinking about that?
0: I think that's a one first off, I think that's a wonderful name. I love the little pun that you got in there. Number two, I think multiple things aren't sustainable there. I think he'll probably get more touchdowns, but I also think that the teams he's playing against will probably score more. Um, so I don't know where that's going to balance out in one way or another but i love the award that you're given out. Aaron, what do you what do you think about this award?
1: It's interesting. I agree with you. I think it's we talk about like league regression weird stuff. My team tends to perform without performing if you know what i mean, like we get we get the win even though it's ugly, like the Bears against the 49ers in week 1. <laughs> we get those kind of wins, low scoring affairs, slugfests like that was me and Matthews. Monday night situation was a slugfest. Like I was rooting against the Bills defense, Jamison Crowder, Justin Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook. Like it was one of the most uncomfortable feelings, like having to hope that AJ Brown can do enough, especially after what we saw week one. Uh, I, I like it, Sammy. I appreciate it. And uh, that means Yoni, you
0: have our last recap award. What do you have? So mine doesn't have an official name, but I'm just going to combine two different ones. My award is the What Are You Doing Anti-Arthur Smith Award, and it goes to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, um, I don't even know what to say about him. Nick Chubb scored three touchdowns. That's what he did. He had a great game. And the I'll explain the name first. So the Anti-Arthur Smith doesn't care about your fantasy football team at all. Aaron knows this with Kyle Pitts. And the What Are You Doing section of that name is because Nick Chubb could have won the game for the Cleveland Browns against the New York Jets, and Joe Flacco for I don't even know how he's still in the league, but for the Cleveland Browns, but he scored a touchdown and gave Joshua Siegel six more points. Not that that would have given me the win, but it would have felt better um, a little bit, and I would have had more hope in Craig Joseph and probably be a little more sad when I lost. But still, it's the what are you doing anti Arthur Smith award goes to Nick Chubb, and I believe actually. What do you guys think about this war? Is this a little too narcissistic to be making words about my own situation or what's the deal? Sammy, what do you think?
2: No, I like it, Yoni. I mean, if we're being honest, we're thinking about our teams more than everybody else's. That's how it should be. Um, the name to me is a little bit funny. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, there's a lot of different uh, ways you can think about the, your game against Josh. But this is a lot of what it's, don't get me wrong, but if Nick Chubb does do the right thing and Jerry Judy doesn't get hurt and your kicker doesn't get one point, That was a very winnable game. And and you had a lot of those kind of games slip away from you last year. And and hopefully, for your sake, Yoni, you can get that squared away and uh, win some of these games at some point. Um, But yeah, I mean, I thought that I think that's a fine award. And I think that it was deservedly so for Nick Chubb uh, this week, especially because he's been that guy who does go down historically. Like he knows what he's doing. He did it a couple years ago against the Texans. Um, I remember it had something to do with somebody not covering. So maybe it's just Nick Chubb hates gamblers and wants to screw them over. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, fantasy football, it will have you rooting for the weirdest things. I I mean, I'm telling you. So, it all ties back into just how fun and weird fantasy football is. Uh, But, yeah, no, I think that's a good award. I'm
1: going to jump in and say I agree with the fact that's a good award, and mainly it's because I'm sick and tired of Arthur Smith. Like, you draft Kyle Pitts with the fourth overall pick, and he has what? 12 targets through two games, which I guess is a lot, but it's, what, four catches for maybe like 30-something yards. He's not a decoy. You don't spend the fourth overall pick on a decoy. I'm I'm not going to trade Pitts. Yoni text me what it would cost for Pitts. I said a lot. He is a young, elite talent tight end. If and when things come together, he's going to be such a positional value edge that I cannot move off of him
0: but um can i'm I kind of
1: disappointed about him
0: kp can i add something to that go ahead just an award for what you were just complaining about and i, I love hearing the passion it's the jamie tart decoy award as, i like it as the ted lasso watchers know um jamie tart used as a decoy in one of the episodes he's pissed and kyle Pitts should be pits too that he's not oh kyle Pitts should be Pitts. well that was a weird word situation i don't know but he, he should be pissed that he's not getting the ball more. Um, so I agree with you on that point. And, I, you know, Kyle, you should keep Kyle Pitts. He's yours.
1: Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm keeping Kyle Pitts. Last year I got him for pretty cheap. I traded away, what, Aaron Rodgers and got Kyle Pitts in, like, a couple picks, I think. Like, it was a great turnaround for me. Um, So it's going to be hard to move me off of him. But I'll let one of you two do the wrap-ups, but I just want to say thank you everyone who's made it this far into the podcast. Uh, We had a lot of background to give, and I can almost guarantee that further newer episodes are going to be a little bit shorter, but this was a great time. Uh, Yoni, you want to close this out, or does Sammy have anything else to say?
2: I'll I'll say a couple things and then let Yoni. Take care of it. Uh, I'll say, number one, I love that from you, Yoni. I love that you're trying to buy low on Kyle Pitts. Um, maybe I'll text Aaron after the show's over because, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? You got to gauge people's interest. You did it with uh, Olave. That's that's how you, that's how you win the margin. So uh, I respect that. Um, I want to, I want to kind of uh, echo what Aaron said. If you're still with us right now, why don't you go ahead tag at keep league on Twitter and say pumpkin. And if you do that, we will give you a surprise. Uh, I'm not going to reveal what it is, but trust me, this was pre-planned. This was not me coming up with on the spot. There's something great in store for you. So without further ado, uh, let's send it to Yoni.
0: That's amazing, Sammy. Thank you so much for doing that. And as Sammy said, that was pre-planned. We all know what's happening. Um, It's a real thing. Don't worry about it. So pumpkin, keep a league. And um, yeah, so thank you so much for listening. This was obviously a long first episode, but we just kind of had to give a lot of introduction. Thank you so much again. And we look forward to more episodes. And again, plug in the Keep League, plug in whatever this shenanigans, the trenches fantasy football show that this is. And Yoni proof, same Schulman, and Eric Kirkpatrick signing off from the trenches fantasy football show.